Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. Many of us have elevator speeches for different parts of our lives. In your profession, or your former profession, or for your hobby, or the band that you really love, the music that really turns you on, you may have an elevator speech to explain to people who are not immediately familiar what, what that means to you. It's said that Unitarian Universalists need an elevator speech because we're not immediately recognizable. That is also true of humanists. We need an elevator speech because what we, how we present in the world, we're a little bit countercultural. We're not immediately recognizable. I hope we're countercultural. <laughs> My Unitarian Universalist elevator speech goes a little bit like this. And those of you who have been in the Welcome to FUS class with me or uh, the Pathway to Membership have heard this. We are covenantal rather than creedal. We think it's more important how we behave together than what we say we believe. We are covenantal. We, we live in a covenant with each other rather than follow a creed. We think it's more important how we behave together than what we say we believe. The other thing that I say about us is that if you think of a continuum of congregations, religions, from the most conservative to the most progressive, we're as far on this end as you get before you can fall off and you're not really a congregation anymore. <laughs> but we are. We're still on that congreg congregational continuum. We still are people of belief and shared values and shared Ethics. That's part of what it means to be here. We also have our humanist elevator speeches. My elevator speech for humanism goes like this, and I get asked this with some regularity. We believe that it's up to humans to solve human-made problems. And you wouldn't believe how many people in progressive faith communities go, yeah, I believe that too. So I think we have commonality in that. There are folks in our community, in this congregation, who identify mostly as humanist and not as Unitarian Universalist. That's okay. We are the most identity-based of all of the Unitarian Universalist congregations in the Twin Cities, for sure, and maybe nationally. We really hold our brand, our brand, as the birthplace of congregational humanism. But we are and have been from the beginning a Unitarian congregation. It was important to us for logistical reasons to be part of a national association. And I keep lifting up how important it is for us to be a part of something that is larger than ourselves. I'm sorry, I have something flashing here in front of me, and I don't know how to turn it off, and it's distracting me a little bit. So uh, underneath it, I see. 
Thank you. Um, so I think that, it, that that's one of the reasons that I'm talking about what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. We are a member congregation of the Unitarian Universalist Association of Congregations. Um, it's a nationwide organization, and there are some even overseas. And uh, when people look for us, we learned this in our recent survey, they may, uh, some may go in and Google humanist congregation, but not very many. Mostly, they Google Unitarian congregation, and that's how they find us. Most people know the word Unitarian more than Unitarian Universalist. It's said that when we merged in 1961, that the Universalists got the Uni, and the Unitarians got the Tarian. <laughs> Right, so there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a brand issue, but I'm not gonna gonna go into that. I think it's important that we care about our Unitarian Universalist connection, and so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. As Buckley alluded to in our Time for All Ages, the principles of Unitarian Universalism are up for refreshment and renewal, and. If there's anything that we are about, it is process. Lord, Lord, we love our process. More process than content, right? How we agree on things, because we practice the democratic process and we practice congregational polity, right? Our, our Unitarian Universalist Association doesn't say, hey, First Unitarian Society, this is what you have to do. This is what your board has to do. We decide within our congregation what to do, and then the members of the UUA vote together. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about process today. If this turns you on, <laughs> I think you ought to be a delegate to General Assembly. <laughs> That's coming up in June, and you can even do it online. You could go to Pittsburgh, but you could do it online also. In 2021, at General Assembly, a charge was made to the association to look at Article 2 of our bylaws. That's why it's called Article 2. In the bylaws of the Unitarian Universalist Association, that's where it says, here's how we will be together. We covenant to affirm and promote these seven principles. And if you wish to follow along, they are in the first few pages of the gray songbook that's in front of you in the pew, right? The seven principles are right there. These have been on the books since 1985 with some minor adjustments. And a few years ago, we as a congregation voted to affirm an eighth principle, which was a specific anti-racism, anti-oppression statement. Several hundred congregations across our association did that with the knowledge that this idea of looking at all of them would be coming forward. So these principles are maybe as close as we've got to scripture. 
right? We don't do so much with scripture, but this is language that Unitarian Universalists across the country have come to rely on for 40 years now, right? Our principles and sources, you see the sources below, are not scripture because we live in a living tradition. Front of that book says singing the living tradition. It moves and changes. We are people who believe in evolution, that things evolve, that we keep looking for the best way to express what is true within us. So how does this relate to vulnerability? Well, I think there may be some vulnerability in letting go of what many of us have held dear and come to rely on that out of which we have made meaning, that which many of us go to when we are troubled and say, how do I navigate a problem? How do I deal with that person that is difficult for me? Well, I rely on this statement of inherent worth and dignity with freedom of conscience, etc. The words that we say on Sunday mornings here when we light our chalice. So I think that stasis, keeping things the way it is, may feel like safety, but it never allows for progress. And when we welcome change and allow ourselves to be vulnerable to growth, the unexpected can happen. So this is a real-life application. Some of the things that were asked of the commission that was asked to study this, just find my note here. They were asked to be intentionally inclusive. You can read a lot about how the committee worked, again, the process. They were asked to be, the commission was asked to be intentionally inclusive, to take everything and put it on the table, that nothing was precious about the materials, that anything could be moved around or changed, that it didn't have to look like what it did before. And this, the commission shall decenter habitual practices that reinforce white supremacy culture. Decenter practices that habitually, habitual practices that reinforce white supremacy culture. And I think what they meant here was perfectionism. Get to work, do some work, and don't think it has to be perfect. Because guess what? Someone's gonna come along hopefully sooner than 40 years and erase your work and start over. Right? Perfectionism, there's only one right way. We've got to get it right, and we're going to chisel it in stone. Well, it's going to be printed in the front of a book. It had better be right. <laughs> Let go of that habitual practice of white supremacy culture, of having to have the perfect words. And, and I think that was an important piece of what they did, because what's true is some people will like what they've come up with, and some will not. We can be really sure of that. Back in 1841, Unitarian firebrand minister Theodore Parker wrote a sermon called The Transient and Permanent in Christianity. Back in 1841, most Unitarians thought of themselves as Christian. 
our denomination has moved and evolved and changed an awful lot along the way. But what he said in the transient and the permanent really applies today. He said this. I want you to listen for this contrast between transient and permanent, and don't get too hooked in the theology. In actual Christianity, that is in that portion of Christianity which is preached and believed, there seem to have been, ever since the time of its earthly founder, two elements. One, the one transient and the other permanent. The one, the transient, is the thought, the folly, the uncertain wisdom, the theological notions, the impiety of man. The other, the eternal truth of God. These two bear perhaps the same relation to each other that the phenomena of outward nature may bear, such as sunshine and cloud, growth, decay, reproduction, bear to the great law of nature, which underlies and supports them all. As in that case, the more attention is commonly paid to particular phenomena than the original, the general law. So in this case, it is generally given to the transient in Christianity rather than the permanent. The reason I bring this up is that our values are not changing, but the way we talk about them are changing. If we leave aside this and we can focus on, in his contrast, how we have evolved in our thought, in our theology, for example, decentering the practices uh, that are habitually associated with, with white supremacy culture, or the need, the, the expanding need for equity. We know more about equity than we did in 1985. We know more about bodily autonomy and trans lives and marriage equality and all of the other ways that we might talk about um, equity than we did in 1985. And our values, the values of dignity and worth, of affirming democracy and so on, are still, are still really present for us. I want uh, to show a slide. A few weeks ago, we talked about word clouds when I was talking about the survey. So we have a word cloud. The commission did hundreds of hours of listening sessions. They listened to thousands of people over the time that they were uh, asking what people thought about uh, the change and what were the key words that stood out to them in their understanding of what it meant to be a Unitarian Universalist. What's the central word? Love. The central word that people understand of what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist is love. And what else do you see up there? Compassion. Justice, dignity, respect, freedom, worth, integrity. Are there words that you don't see that you might add on what it means to you to be a humanist, Unitarian, Universalist? Covenant? What did I hear? 
informed. Inspired. Inspired. Human. Human. Curious. Curious. Well, I like curious. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I love a word cloud. I just think it's so much fun. And you understand that the more people who put, the more times they heard love, the bigger that word got in the word cloud, right? So they heard lots of things, and, and the more times they heard it, the bigger, the bigger it was in there. So we could just say, well, what we stand for is love, right? That, that could be enough. But that's hard to uh, create your covenant just around that. What does it mean? What do we really mean by that, and how do we live it out? So what they came up with, rather than just a set of principles on the page, was a graphic. And we'll show this graphic now. So what you see is uh, the center is love imposed over a chalice, and these six petals. They are not numbered. You can start anywhere. It doesn't start one through seven, right? Um, one through six. But these words are words that we lift up as key to who we are. Interdependence, equity, transformation, pluralism, generosity, and justice. And I'm going to read what they've written about this, and then I'll close um, and I'll invite more conversation about this um, and, and give you a link where you can find more. I should have put that in the Friday email and it, and it got away from me. Here's what they wrote. These are what sound like the new principles. Now, they're not something that, it's, it's not the language that we had before that was just a couple of sentences on each one. It's been expanded a bit. We honor the interdependent web of all existence. We covenant to cherish earth and all beings by creating and nurturing relationships of care and respect. With humility and reverence, we acknowledge our place in the great web of life, and we work to repair harm and damaged relationships. For pluralism, we celebrate that we are all sacred beings diverse in culture, experience, and theology. We covenant to learn from one another in our free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We embrace our differences and commonalities with love, curiosity, and respect. Justice. We work to be diverse, multicultural, beloved communities where all thrive. We covenant to dismantle racism and all forms of systemic oppression. We support the use of inclusive, democratic processes to make decisions. Transformation. We adapt to the changing world. We covenant to collectively transform and grow, spiritually and ethically. Openness to change is fundamental to our Unitarian and Universalist heritages, never complete and never perfect. Generosity. We cultivate a spirit of gratitude and hope. We covenant to freely and compassionately share our faith, presence, and resources. Our generosity connects us to one another in relationships of interdependence and mutuality. Equity. We declare that every person has the right to flourish with inherent dignity and worthiness. We covenant to use our time wisdom, attention, and money 
to build and sustain fully accessible and inclusive communities. Here's what happens next. At General Assembly this summer in Pittsburgh, the, the gathering will vote on this proposal. It needs a 50% plus one vote. And then for the next year, congregations will discuss it. Boy, we like to discuss it. <laughs> congregations will discuss it. I don't think that they're welcoming changes to it. I think this is the proposal. I'm pretty sure that that's true, but somebody could check me on that. And then at General Assembly in 2024, which may be completely online, they're, going to, they're looking at going to every other year in person. They will need two-thirds vote of the gathering to change our bylaws to include this. There's a lot more information, and I don't want to bore you with the, the rest of it, but I find this how we speak about who we are, how we tell people in the world, and by the way, we need to tell people in the world who we are. So that because we here have found something that has changed our lives. I've found something here that has changed my life. And I want other people to be able to find this. And people come here and they say, I didn't even know you existed. So somebody told me, and I want to tell other people, and I want to have a good way of telling it. And I want to say, here, if you want to read more, read this. Because these words were created by my people. These are the words that are created by our people. We are of this. So let us welcome the vulnerability of change. Let us let it sink in. And I would love to hear in future what your uh, thoughts are about it as you uh, study it more. May it be so. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.